We are today carrying on our series uh, looking at uh, some things Jesus said. And today we are in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, and it's from verse 24 to 28. Uh, But don't worry if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words on the screen for you. So that's Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Wasn't it great to worship God this morning? I thought Andy, Andy did well and did the church. It was great to see people kind of participating and responding. It, it's just a reminder, really, for me that, you know, as we worship, as we gather together, we don't gather just to kind of hear some songs together and sing some songs, but we gather for God. We gather for Him. And uh, it was great just to hear the contributions and see people rising in faith as we, as we worship together. Um, so, Matthew 16, verses 24 to 28. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. For some who are standing here... Uh, Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. These are Jesus' words in Matthew. Lord, come and speak to us this morning as we read your word, as we gather to hear you. Come speak to us. Uh, Come speak all you have for us this morning as a church, together, as individuals, as family of God here. Come by your spirit and speak to us this morning. Amen. In 2006, uh, a guy called Danny Wallace wrote a book based on his six-month experience of saying yes to things he'd have normally said no to. It was a major success and uh, it was turned into a film uh, with Jim Carrey called Yes Man. Uh, And some of you might have either read the book or seen the film. But it was just a chance encounter with a stranger on a bus who said, you should say yes to things more in your life. He thought, I'm saying no to things when really I ought to be saying yes. And so he made a decision to follow this simple rule in life, to say yes more where he'd have normally said no. And as well as causing him to take his friends to more musicals than he would have liked to have gone to, and having to deal with endless misunderstandings in relationships, and winning 25 grand on a scratch card, and then losing it. He said this about the experience. It was several months that changed not just my life, But my entire way of life, my entire attitude to life. 
And as life-changing as following this simple rule sounds, today I want us to see how following Jesus is the way to true life. So I've got three points this morning that we're going to work through. A call to follow Jesus, a call to daily death, and um, a call to true life. See, when it comes to presenting the good news of Jesus, we can sometimes present it like this. Come to Jesus. All your needs will be met. You'll be sorted. Your life will be easy. Your problems will go away. Christianity can become a bit like a supermarket advert for your local whatever your supermarket is. Get all your needs met here. Are you lonely? Are you depressed? Are you weak? Have your needs met? Do you need something more in life? Come to Christianity. But the message of the gospel is to know and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus uses the phrase, follow me, in the New Testament 20 times. Here's some of his words to um, two of his disciples, Simon and Andrew, Matthew 4. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. See, we're not called to follow a set of moral teaching, a lifestyle, a simple rule to say yes, where we might have said no. We're called to follow a person. We're called to follow Jesus. And our lives must be rooted in Jesus and who he is. That might seem fine to you. You might be saying, okay, Simon, you're not saying anything really new there. Or you might be thinking, that's quite shocking. Maybe you're from um, another religious, you brought up in another religious background. Um, and actually, that is a bit of a shock. That's a bit of a scandal. Maybe you want to honour God in your life. But I want to show you that that means to follow Jesus. He called and he calls people to follow him. See, Jesus' words aren't for some kind of advanced set of super-Christians. But they're for all. Jesus' call to follow me isn't simply for if you're British, or if you're not British, if you're wealthy, or if you're poor. It's not simply if you're just one of these things, if you're intelligent, or, or just for if you're not very clever. No, no. If you're a Christian... You've been called into relationship to follow Jesus. And uh, we can come up with lots of different reasons why not to follow Jesus. We really can. Jesus, Jesus wouldn't want me to follow him. Why would he want me? Why would he want me? Listen to what uh, Paul says to the Corinthians. This is from 1 Corinthians 1. And uh, there's this problem in the church that some people were saying they were more important than others. And other people were saying, well, we're not as important as those ones over there. He says this, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many of noble birth. Anyone from noble birth? No, maybe. I bet there probably is. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. See, we can make excuses about why Jesus wouldn't want us to follow him. But actually, he calls us to follow him not based on our abilities but based on our inabilities. Do you feel weak? Do you feel foolish? Do you feel lowly at the thought of following Jesus? Hey, what do you know? You're in good company. See, often we can come with our needs and with our weaknesses, wanting them to be sorted out. But Jesus says, do you know those weaknesses you've got, those needs, they don't disqualify you from following me. In fact, you're just the type that I'm looking for. See, I'm not saying God isn't interested in your needs and God isn't interested in your circumstances and God isn't interested in happening what's in your life. We'll come back to that later. But how our attitude to Christ is on this speaks very loudly to the people around us. Imagine this. Use this simple illustration. Imagine you have a friend and they start a relationship with a person. They start going out with someone. But it's clear that they're only interested in getting something from that person. Whether it's their money, whether it's their uh, position. Hey, I get to be seen with this person. Young people, do you sometimes think, do you know, that person's only going out with that girl or that boy just so they can be seen with the right crowd. Just so they can be seen with the in crowd. Does that happen? Is it not happen anymore? Am I too old to... Am I out of touch? (laughs) Please don't say I'm out of touch. Please. Um, It happens, doesn't it? We're all aware of... We see relationships like that and we think, do you know, they're only after that. They're only after what they can get from it. You might be... You're aware... Do you know, there's no love there. It's just that there's some kind of advantage for them there. And actually, it causes you to think differently about them both, doesn't it? It causes you to think differently about... Um, the first person, your friend, because you think they're only doing it with that, for that reason. They're only there for that reason. They're shallow. And it causes you to think differently about the other person. Hey, they're just as shallow because either they don't see it or they're not bothered about it. See, if it's Jesus simply meets my needs, then that's what someone who doesn't follow Jesus will see and hear. They'll think, well, it obviously works for you, it fits with you, and that's why you follow him. That's what they'll see. Rather than, do you know, I've seen how good God is. I've seen that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've seen that he loves me with an amazing love. And do you know what? I gladly follow him. So there's a call to follow Jesus in this passage. But also, there's a call to daily death. 
Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, deny himself, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, Jesus presents this idea of taking up, uh, of his followers taking up their cross twice in Matthew, here and in Matthew 10. What does it mean? What does it mean? Deny himself and take up his cross. Well, let's look at what it does mean. That's always helpful, isn't it? But, sorry, what it doesn't mean. It's kind of been turned into uh, one of those everyday uh, common English language things. This is the cross I have to bear. Is my friend Abbas here? Oh, he is, yes. And he's not translating, that's good. Um, Abbas, my friend Abbas, has a book. He, uh, I think it's a book or some things about different English phrases. And uh, to, what do these different English phrases mean? So it helps Abbas to understand when he's in conversation with people what different funny... We have a lot of funny English phrases, don't we? We really do. We, we make a mess of our English language and use all sorts of things to mean all sorts of different th- meanings. But Abbas, my friend, has uh, something where it kind of has some of these English phrases in, so he knows what it means. And uh, he probably knows phrases and meanings. He knows what's behind them more than I do, I reckon, uh, and probably more than you do too. But we often hear this one, don't we? It's my, this is my cross to bear. It's the cross I have to bear. And sometimes we might think of it, oh, it's my bad hip, or uh, it's some kind of illness I've got, or it's my lazy husband, or it's my grumpy wife, or it's some person in my family that really, really grates and, and winds me up. Have you heard this? Have you, have you heard people saying this? It's my cross to bear. But do you know, Jesus' first century listeners wouldn't have taken it that way. They would have watched many crucifixions. It was a common way of killing people. Cicero, a Roman statesman, says this about crucifixion. It's the most cruel and hideous of tortures. And it was actually banned by the Romans in the 4th century because it was so cruel. And you know, the person being crucified was often made to carry their cross to the place of crucifixion. It was just another act of humiliation as they walked through the streets with their cross. And Jesus knew that this was what the future had for him. It says in verse 21, he says, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'll suffer many things and I'll be killed. But then, in this passage, he uses it to describe what it's like to follow him. See, some of his disciples would literally be crucified. Some would not. But can you imagine the comfort of Jesus' words to the early church as they would read this and they'd be thinking, do you know, I thought following Jesus would mean that everything would be okay in life. That I wouldn't have any difficulties. But, you know, they would take great comfort in knowing that the suffering, the persecution that they were going through was not foreign, was not distant, was not different to their Christian faith. You see, there's, even today, there are many Christians who suffer 
persecution in their lives. I mean, just look around you and look in this church from people from nations like Eritrea and Iran, parts of Western Africa, parts of Northern Africa. People who are persecuted because of their Christian faith. People who perhaps will lose a job. Perhaps be imprisoned. Perhaps even lose their life. Do you know, I remember going to Romania shortly after communism had fallen in the 90s and hearing stories from a local church saying what life was like under communism and the persecution that they went through and some of the difficulties of living for Jesus in that time. I'm aware of the great cost to many around the world. Many stories, like I say, even in this church. But the meaning to say taking up your cross means only persecution and limiting it to that limits the whole meaning of what Jesus has to say to us. See, there's two things that are mentioned here that are really linked. Denying yourself and taking up your cross. See, when Jesus talks about denying himself, he's not talking about, you know, not letting yourself have that cream cake this afternoon when actually you really want that cream cake. Or it's not, he's not talking about giving up chocolate for Lent because that'd be a good thing to do. You're welcome to give up chocolate for Lent if you want. F.F. Bruce, one writer on this passage, said, denying yourself is to say no to yourself, your hopes, your ambitions, your likes and dislikes for the sake of Christ. See, some of those things that he mentions can sometimes be the things that are most important in our lives. That dream house, that perfect career, that secure lifestyle, spending my pocket money how I want, getting in my own way. See, all of that must come second to Christ. It finds its place when Jesus is top in our lives. And so taking up our cross might not mean death in a literal sense. See, there's two other deaths that the Bible talks about. And we need to be aware of them. It talks about our death to sin. Do you know, when you became a Christian... You died to sin. There was a death that happened. You chose Jesus and your old life died and was included in his death. You died to the power and the penalty of sin and you've been given new life in Christ. And there's a second death as well. There's the continually putting to death Sin in our lives. See, our, our, our lives, our bodies are still able to sin, aren't they? See, when I became a Christian, when I was given new life, suddenly my flesh wasn't suddenly perfect. Did anyone else find that out? 
Does anyone else, anyone who's been on Alpha, think gets oh, everything will be perfect now? Everything will be, I'll be, my life will be perfect. I'll be able to live the. Per- and suddenly you find, hey, it's a battle. My my body, my my flesh, my, it, it, hey, it doesn't want to do the things I want to do. See, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to put to death the old nature that still battles with sin. We have to put it to death. So it's in this second way that the Christian life is a daily call to take up our cross and put to death our old nature that wants to live for itself and for sin. That's why when Luke records this saying of Jesus, he says it like this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, it's an everyday thing. It's a life thing. We have to put to death our old nature daily. And uh, just so you know, I'm taking this from the Bible. This is what Romans 8:13 says. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. And again from Colossians 3 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, there will always be things that come up against following Jesus. What about that person that really annoys you? And do you know, you meet them and you come into contact with them. And do you know, you just want to feel bad about that person. I just want to think bad things about that person. Hey, do you know, you have to put to death that attitude. What about power? Maybe you like getting people to do things for you. Hey, because it makes you feel good. I feel important they're doing things for me I feel better than them I feel I can manipulate them and I get value from that hey do you know we need to put that attitude to death hey if you are thinking of inviting someone to Alpha there might be a battle going on what if they say no what if they think I'm crazy what if what if what what if they come and then really think I'm crazy Hey, do you know, we have to put to death those attitudes. Maybe that's something you'll have to deal with this week. No, no, I'm putting to death because I know, I really want them to know Jesus and how wonderful he is. So I'm going to put to death that and I'm going to ask them to Alpha. So we talked how we're called to follow Jesus. We talked about how we deny ourselves and put to death the things that oppose God. But then Jesus says this, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. And we think, hang on, this is one of those statements that doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem to work. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever wants to lose his life will find it. You know, our world, our society says, be your own boss. Make your own decisions. Do what you like. Make choices for you. It doesn't want to let God into life. It wants to hold on to life. And Jesus says, do you know, this will ultimately mean you'll lose life. Do you know, he's not just talking about life after death. He's meaning finding life 
now, today. This is what it says in uh, John 17, 3. Which is why you should always write these down before you quote them. Because then you have to find them. There we go. John 17, 3. This, now this is eternal life, says Jesus. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. See, eternal life begins now because it's knowing Jesus. And do you know it's a life of joy in delighting in him? See, the world says joy comes from doing what you want and getting your own way. Do you know, Jesus says delight comes from knowing me first and foremost above everything else. And that's where you find joy. Do you know, sometimes in the Christian life, decisions we have to make kind of feel like, I feel like this is, this is not life. I feel like I'm losing life. This seems like a crazy decision. You know, acting right at work, but, but it doesn't feel right. Or I'm at school and uh, th- th- my friends are doing this, but I just feel that's wrong. And, but I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I know I've got to stand against that and not do that, but, but it feels like I'll be losing life if I do that. Or, do you know, I've moved house. Hey, do you know, I've moved house to join a church. And it just feels like I've given up so much. Do you know, there's a reminder that in all these things, we're actually finding life. Actually gaining life. So there's a powerful promise in this passage that we often miss. This is what it says in uh, verse 27 to 28. can find it again it says this for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels then he will reward each person according to what he's done I tell you the truth some are standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom and we can sometimes read that and just think that's just about Jesus coming back that's just about Jesus' return but actually it's also a reference to his victory on the cross to his resurrection and to his eternal kingly rule. He's saying to his disciples, follow me and you'll know true life. Because I'm going to conquer sin and death. I'll be raised to life. And you can only experience this true life because I gave up my life on the cross and won true life for you. And it must all be done in grace, all be done in the light of what he says there, in the light of the cross. Do you know your obedience to Jesus can never earn you his love? Your obedience to Jesus can never earn you his love. It's amazing. It's so freeing, so releasing that he loves us and he's shown his love to us. In his son dying on the cross. But as we respond to that love. To his victory. As we respond in obedience. Actually we experience true joy. The joy that he's called us to. And this is my final point, And then we're going to respond. And finish. As we respond to the love. Poured into our hearts. By God. 
and as we serve others around us, we experience true joy and true life. That was what will enable you to live the Christian life. It will enable you to serve others with joy. Perhaps you're involved in Open Door. Do you know, maybe you find great joy in seeing Jesus exalted and caring for the marginalised and the poor. As you help a family in need, do you know, maybe you find life decisions where you put him first, you'll find that seeing, you'll find great joy from seeing his worth, which is infinitely greater and more beautiful than anything else. I want us to respond this morning, and I think there's three ways, particularly, I'd like, pe- I'd like us all to respond, but particularly if you want someone to pray with you, we're going to give an opportunity for that, and you can come to the front, and we have a group of people who will pray for you and pray with you, or maybe you want to respond to Amanda's word about healing in the elbow or in the wrist. There's going to be an opportunity to do that. Particularly, want to pray for people who just need to know afresh the joy and true life of following Jesus. Maybe life has become a bit routine. Maybe the Christian life for you has just become a bit routine. And you've missed that it's about knowing Jesus and knowing true joy and delighting in Him. Maybe there's situations that you're facing. Maybe decisions you've got to make in life. I want to pray for people who are facing situations and decisions. Because do you know, Jesus says, living for me, making the decision for me, and putting me first in that decision, means you'll find true joy, means you'll find true life. It might seem like you're losing life, but hey, you will find and gain life. Or maybe there's just behaviour in your life you know, do you know, I need to put that to death. I know there's sin in my life, there's behaviours in my life that I need to put to death. And Jesus' words have really spoken to me this morning and I just need to put it to death. And you just want someone to pray with you. Do you know, there'll be an opportunity to do that. Why don't you come out to the front as well? I'm going to ask Andy to come up. Is he still here? He is. Excellent. Why doesn't Andy come up? And uh, I'd like us all first, as we take the offering to um, respond in song, do you know, as we take our offering, this is part of our worship. We're worshipping God with our money. If you're a visitor here, you are more than welcome to put in, but it's not like we expect you to put in. We're just pleased you came and saw us this morning and have been with us, but you are more than welcome to put in if you want. But I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to respond in song and then I'll bring some direction about how we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We say we totally find our delight in you. We think you're wonderful. And we hear your words that are just as true today to us. 
anyone would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And we gladly respond to your love, to your call this morning to us. (laughs) And know that in it we find true joy, find true life. Help us, empower us, fill us with your spirit that we might be freed from legalistic following and released into joy-filled, grace-filled following of our Saviour. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's stand, take up our offering and sing and then we'll bring some direction to how we're going to pray.